And we are live. This is the Wrap It Up on Blast Raps postgame show. As always, my name is Sheldon Alexander. And for those who might be up in the morning and they're looking around and they're saying, wait a second, I was waiting for the pod live after the game and it didn't come. What happened? Well, technical difficulties happened. Computers putin happened. However you want to sum it up. Something went wrong with the stream, and hey, here we are, better late than never, but we had to come up either way and make sure that we talked about this Raptors win because it was a very big Raptors win. And of course, thanks for tuning in to this Wrap It Up podcast. I think as long as this keeps going, for me anyways, because I think I know what the problem is, but going forward... I know for sure that I'll be able to get the feed up on YouTube. So if you're ever looking for the feed live and you can't really find it, I'll tweet it out or I'll send it out on Instagram. But know that the YouTube feed will be up and running because I figured out how I can get that working. I'll post the links on Twitter. Hopefully that'll work for you. That'll work for some people. I don't know. Hopefully that's a hope. But either way, we're here. We're talking Raptors basketball finally. And I had to make sure that I was up. And despite all the technical difficulties, honestly, that took about an hour for me to troubleshoot and figure out what was going on. And I still don't even really know. But at the end of the day, I know that I'm here finally to talk about the Toronto Raptors and their big, big, big win that they just pulled off against the Memphis Grizzlies. And this was a big game for multiple reasons. You know, it was kind of cool to see uh, JV. JV putting in work was pretty cool. But in terms of the Raptors, right? 128-113 victory. They now improve to 11-13. Two games below 500. You're right there. You're right there if you're the Toronto Raptors. But you're 3-1 on this road trip, which is huge because you know you got some tough games on the back end of the trip, right? But the Raps in this game, so much went on. You lose Kyle Lowry early on into the game. Your coach gets ejected. All these things happen. You're down after three quarters, and you haven't won yet this season when you've been in that situation. And yet the Toronto Raptors figured out a way to pull out this victory. And as mentioned, the other thing circulating here was two years ago, yesterday, or I guess by the time you're listening to this, two two years ago and then two days ago... (laughs) was the anniversary of when the Raptors made the big trade to bring in Marc Gasol for Jonas Valanciunas, who was CJ Miles, DeLon Wright, and that was a that was a the huge 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 draft date or trade trade day on deadline day is what I meant to say instead of draft day, but you know what I'm saying here. I'm flustered. I've been up trying to figure this feed out for about an hour here, so bear with me. But you know what I'm trying to say? About two years ago, the Raptors made their huge deal to trade away Jonas Valanciunas, who was a fan favorite, to bring in Marc Gasol. And I know a lot of Raptors fans that even though the Raptors won a championship, there's a little part of some Raptors fans that are very, you know, they kind of wish somehow, some way, that JV was a part of that championship run because he was a fan favorite. And you know what? I can understand that. I get that, you know, I I would also 
try to remind you that you won a championship <laughs> and you would trade a championship for Jonas Valanciunas any day of the week. But hey, I digress. I get it. Fan favorite, so it's good to see him. And he had an exceptional game against the Toronto Raptors. He finished this game, if I bring up the box score here, as everything is out of sorts on my computer screen. If you saw it, it looks like a gong show right now. But JV in this game finished 27 points, 20 rebounds, 8 of 12 from the floor, 11 of 12 from the free throw line, and... That's just mega, mega, mega work put up by Jonas Valanciunas. And it's the third career 2020 game for JV. All of them have come with Memphis. And in a way, this trade worked out for both people involved, whether you're talking about JV and whether you're talking about the Raptors. Either way, this was a good win for the Raptors and a good win for JV. His career's been able to extend and he's playing really well. He's played well in Memphis. He got a contract extension. All those things are good. And of course, the Raptors want to chip. But as good as JV was tonight, he wasn't able to get his team a victory. And the reason for that was because the Raptors had three players of their own who happened to put in some work. First off, we'll start with your man's Norman Powell, who got off to a really good start but carried that on throughout the game. He finishes with 29 points. 10 of 17 from the floor, 6 of 9 from 3. His six three-pointers actually match a season high for Norm from three-point land. If you go to Freddie, Freddie with 22 points in the second half, and we'll, we'll dig a little deeper into that because it was a little more than just scoring. But 22 of his 32 points came in the second half and added nine assists. And I really think the big thing with Freddie was he got to the free throw line. 12 free throws for Freddie in this game. 12 of 12 from the line, and that's massive, massive, massive. And then your man's Pascal Siakam showed up with a casual 32, 6, and 5. So in a game where you're missing OG Ananobi, a game where Kyle Lowry goes down early, and your coach gets ejected, the Raptors stars, the guys that they rely on, the guys that they need to put in work and get busy, got busy 29 from norm 32 from fred 32 from pascal i mean i know this sounds crazy but this is these are the type of performances that you're gonna need from these raptor players if they are to make a run in the playoffs it has to be from the top end guys you're gonna get some help from the bench you're gonna get some scoring but the higher, the highest level that this team is going to be able to get to will be because of those three dudes getting buckets. And they're able to do it tonight. So we start off the first quarter. And again, first quarter, I said Norm was off to a great start. His third great start in a row, really. He was nine of nine early. My, or sorry, nine points early, three of three from three point land. And, you know, on his next shot, uh, um, uh, he up fakes. The defender blows by him. Norm steps in casually, knocks down a long two. 11 points early, early, early for Norm. And the other part of this is you're seeing the Raptors bench get a chance. And it's really hit or miss. Boucher started off slow. Terrence Davis started off slow. He picked up two straight fouls for the second straight game. Terrence Davis found himself in foul trouble. But if you look at it, we know Boucher picked things up later on and Bembry I've been on the Bembry train if you follow me on Twitter at Shell Alexander I've been on the Bembry train he needs to get more minutes he just seems to be like 
a solid NBA player who seems to make the right plays. He seems to be always under control. He's not really panicking. And that's a guy the Raptors can use in their rotation, I think, even when OG Ananobi comes back. I think you can you can cheat and go small a lot if you're going to play him or Siakam or OG at the five. You can kind of get away with it and cheat it a bit in spurts or play them at the four beside Boucher. You can do that. But I definitely think I'd rather see Bembry on the floor than your man's Aaron Baines. Anyone following this pod knows <laughs> where I stand with Aaron Baines at this point. And I'd much rather see those minutes go to Bembry. But either way, first half, especially... This was like a three-point shooting contest because Grayson Allen was just wetting threes. Like, he looked like he was back at Duke and everything was just easy-peasy for him. He was knocking down trays. Freddie hits a three right before the end of the first quarter. And both teams in that first quarter were shooting in and around 50% from three. Raptors led 35-34. As mentioned, Norm with 11 points, Grayson Allen with nine. As we move on to that second quarter... The real storyline there was JV and a whole lot of whistles, right? And Chris Boucher giving the rap solid minutes for sure. Norm making great moves, driving in the lane, finding guys. Norm was getting busy as well. Pascal starts hitting threes. I remember I mentioned the three-point shooting contest. Pascal hit three threes in a row. And it was a change because Pascal hasn't been shooting threes a lot lately. He's kind of figured out his game more and, you know, the the advantage that he has against most big guys is he can take them off the dribble. And he's gotten back to that a lot lately and hasn't been really shooting the threes. But tonight, he figured that he would take eight threes in this game and he hit five of them. And I get why he took the early ones. He took the early ones because they were sagged off him so much and daring him to shoot. And once he hit the first couple... I mean, you let him go, and I'm not really mad at that, right? Like, you're going to shoot eight, eight threes, you better hit you better hit a bunch of them, and he definitely did. But I also like the fact that he did stay aggressive. You saw him kind of, you know, settle for some long twos here and there, but I think by, by the end, he figured things out, and he was just focused on either taking what the defense was giving him, whether it was going to the basket or sitting back and getting the three-point shot. So 5 of 8 from 3 for Pascal, as mentioned, 32 points, 6 assists, 5 rebounds, add in a steal and a block just because that's what Spicy P does. And Norm, continuing his hot shooting, Baines was hitting threes. Raptors were 7 of 11 in that third, in that second quarter, pardon me, from 3. Both teams are still shooting over uh, 50% from three with just over three minutes left in that quarter so a lot of threes going on but then we get you know things got a little chippy not really chippy but i think weird from the ref standpoint right the refs just started handing out texts people this was another one of those nights and i'm sure raptors fans are getting used to it where there are just bad calls everywhere and no matter what the everybody was mad at the refs no matter what color your jersey was, no matter what sideline you were on, texts were being handed out everywhere. People were arguing calls and the raps were piling up texts. And it was just a weird, weird play. But at the same time, you saw John Moran start to get going and he and JV kind of got it going. JV was working hard in the paint. JV with 14 rebounds in that first half. Eight of those were offensive rebounds. So... 
here is a big part of the end of that first half. While the Raptors were getting texts, Dylan Brooks starts hitting shots. And I should take a second and, and talk about Dylan Brooks because Dylan Brooks, I mean, I love that guy's game. I think you would want him on your team. Like he would be a very good piece on a team that has like deep playoff aspirations because he plays hard-nosed defense. He's all over the place. He can knock down the open three and he just hustles, plays defense. He can handle a little, you know, he does a little bit of everything. He's one of those like last piece type guys that you fit in around your superstars and he could really have a huge impact i just love his game and it it sucks because i don't know what's going to happen with canada basketball next year with the olympics or if there is an olympics but whenever there is an olympics i can't wait to see that guy in a canada uniform again and just running all over the court causing havoc and getting buckets great thing to see uh but running around and causing havoc in the paint, that was JV. As mentioned, Memphis closed out that first half on a 17-4 run. They led 70-63. to But here's the thing. 10 of those 17 points came from JV. He finished with 18-14 and 14 in that first half. Out of his 14 rebounds, 8 of them were offensive rebounds. The Raptors, as a team, only had 5 offensive rebounds themselves. Again, JV with eight offensive rebounds in the first half, the Raptors as a team with just five. But on top of that, JV eight offensive rebounds. Baines had zero rebounds. Siakam had one defensive rebound. Think about that. JV on the glass, eight offensive rebounds. Baines, zero defensive rebounds. Siakam, one defensive rebound. That can't happen. Now, as mentioned, Kyle Lowry left this game very early on in the first quarter with back spasms. That led to Bembry getting the start for Kyle in Kyle Lowry's spot in the second half, and the Raps came out cold. Memphis was able to extend their lead. JV was getting whatever he wanted. There was a there was a play where JV got the ball in the post, and he looked at Chris Boucher like it was just food. Like he couldn't. JV looked at Boucher once he got the ball, and Boucher was guarding him like this was. He was going to have the game of his life like he was 2000 Shaquille O'Neal or something like that. And JV was getting busy and the Raptors defense was non-existent. Memphis was getting whatever they wanted, whether it was open threes or dunks in the paint. And then Nick Nurse picks up his second tech, arguing another call and gets tossed. <laughs> and that changed the game. <laughs> I mean, it sounds really crazy. But after Nick Nurse got ejected, the Raptors proceeded to go on a 43-19 run. Again, after Nick Nurse got ejected, the Raptors go on a 43-19 run to close out the game. It really, I mean, the other part, you know, that's, you talk about momentum and people, you know, uh, on our gambling pod that I do with Matt Russell, we talk a lot about you know, is momentum a thing? He's a stats guy. I've, I'm more of an eye test guy. And I always talk about momentum. There's always going to be things that stats will not be able to tell you. And is the whole reason the Raptors won because Nick Nurse got ejected and that gave them a little extra boost? No, not saying that at all. But what I am saying is if you watched what happened, Nick Nurse gets ejected. Raps are in chaos, right? Raps are in chaos. Let's Let's keep it a buck. As mentioned, they come into that fourth quarter and they were at the point at the start of the fourth quarter were down three points, right? So you're you're in striking distance. Everything's cool, right? Everything's cool after Nick Nurse gets tossed. 
Nick Nurse gets tossed in to close out that third quarter. The Raptors start going on a little bit of a run. But then they show a video that I thought probably should be highlighted a little more. And it was of after Nurse gets tossed, Fred Van Fleet gathers in everybody and he's leading the pep talk. And he is really telling the team, and obviously we don't know exactly what he was saying, but we can assume he's telling them to chill out, relax, what are we doing, we, we're better than this, this game's not over, bear down, we need to get some stops, and we can get back in this game. And not only did you see Freddie taking charge and bringing everyone into the huddle, but then you saw him back that up with his actions. Because my guy started putting in work. And not only... You know, I know stats, as mentioned, he had 22 points in the second half. That's massive, right? But I'm talking about just leading from example, leading by example and taking the play, controlling the play, dominating the pace of play. You saw Freddie really control the entire offense and thus control the entire game. Whether the Raptors were getting turnovers on one end, leading the fast break, whether Freddie was breaking down his guy, driving, finding Boucher, getting him easy layups. Either way, for the Raps to be down just three heading into the fourth was massive. It was huge. Then, they just started going on the run, and, and Freddie making sure that he was getting to the free throw line, because at that point, when you're down, you just need points. And Freddie was making sure. He was taking it in, and he was forcing hard, trying to just get to the line, and he gutted out getting to the line and getting points. And the one thing I've talked about since last year's playoffs, Fred Van Fleet is a type of point guard. He's a type of smart basketball player. And I know this goes unnoticed, but he knows in his mind what his role is on this team, that he has to get to 20 points a night. And this, again, is where stats come in sometimes and they kind of skew things, right? He just knows simple math. He has to get in and around 20 points most nights if the Raptors are going to have a chance to win. So for him to just have 10 points in the first half, you know, and then come out with 20 in the second, like that is just work. But my guy was 8 of 14, 4 of 7 from 3, but again, 12 of 12 from the line. Then add in 9 assists for Freddie, then add in 3 steals, because, you know, my guy plays defense as well. And now you're getting that all-around performance of a leader. It was very Kyle Lowry-like, dare I say prime Kyle Lowry like when you're just not gonna let your team lose you're showing hey it, it could have been easy for the Raps to just you know not punt the game but kind of just be like get be down on themselves after Nurse got ejected after you're already down big to Memphis and they got it going they're not missing JV's going crazy in the paint they could have just you know packed it in and said we tried we're missing Kyle we're missing OG whatever the excuses were right there in front of their face but no, Fred Van Fleet decided, nope, get on my back, follow me, let's go. And everyone did follow, whether it was Norm, Norm then got it cooking. It was basically Norm, Fred, and Pascal down the stretch. And as mentioned, that run was huge. Norm was hitting threes, Pascal was going to work, Freddie, as mentioned, was going to work, and that basically was the ball game. Fred Van Fleet showing that he is ready to be the next leader of the Toronto Raptors. This season is very weird so far, right? Because we came into this season thinking Pascal's the max money guy. It's his team. He's the star player. He's the face of the franchise going forward. 
But as more and more time goes, and I know Freddie's been up and down this season and he has games where his scoring numbers aren't there. And I totally, totally get that. And when Freddie has a bad night, because if you go through his box score, right, for the whole season, there are games where he has horrible shooting nights. So the reason I bring this up is because he doesn't get the same level of scrutiny. And I don't know if that's just solely about the contract, because it might be, right? Pascal's a max money guy. So when he's having a bad night, Everyone's going to notice, everyone's going to talk about it, because the microscope is so much bigger on him. But I really think we're watching the fact that Fred Van Fleet might be the most important Raptor going forward. He might end up just full-on replacing Kyle Lowry, not only as a starting point guard, but also as the next face of the franchise. Because at this point, I mean, it's easy to tell things run as Freddie runs. And it was just such a good look for Fred Van Fleet the way that he was able to finish this game, the way that he was able to get things going late, I got to give that guy a lot of credit because at the end of the day, he got the team on his back and carried them to victory. Shouts to Pascal, who had a great game. Shouts to Norm, who had a great game. But Fred Van Fleet, the floor general, the leader, he's the one that did it for sure. I'm going to get to some comments here on YouTube and again, from now on, I know for sure that I can get up on YouTube. So chances are that's where the main feed is going to be. If I can't figure it out by the next game, I'm going to try. And obviously I'll post it online when I figure it all out. But as of now, send in your comments and questions on YouTube for sure. I see John Doe, John Doe says, uh, your point guard always has the lead, has to lead the team. Even if he's not the best player, look at our championship year. Uh, the Clippers are starving for Kyle. Um, that's a fair point. I do understand your point. Most basketball, most times in basketball at all levels, your point guard is your leader. I get that. I totally get that. But let's not get it twisted. The championship year, Kawhi Leonard was the leader of the team. Let's just be honest about that. Let's be serious about that. But I do see your point. I do see your point. I was more talking about from a narrative standpoint. Because I think the narrative was that everything was about Pascal. No matter what. It was Pascal, Pascal, Pascal. He's going to be the all-star. He's going to be the face of the franchise. And I think now we're seeing that that actually is going to be Fred. Fred's leading the team in scoring still, if I'm not mistaken. And it's close between him and Pascal. But I don't know. when we're Especially when we see Freddie and Kyle in the way that they've kind of tag-teamed the games where they take turns in terms of leading the offense. It's a thing to see. It's a sight to see. And that's pretty cool to watch the next development in Fred Van Fleet. And every time you hear this guy talk in an interview, it just becomes more and more easy to root for this guy. It's just a great story. We know the story. But also, he he sounds like a leader. <laughs> right? He sounds like a leader. But let's get to some more comments here. Dub C says, WC says, Raps vets getting into it with these young guns lately. Uh, not sure if I saw that, but okay. Um, MM says, love how Pascal has been anchoring his game around the inside first and then seeing if he's going to shoot well outside. Totally agree. We saw multiple games in a row where Pascal didn't even look to shoot the three. He was just focused on getting downhill and getting to the cup. And if you notice... When he can get ahead of steam, right? Like he's already quick enough to blow by most big guys. But when he's able to get ahead of steam coming down the court and then blow by them, 
Look out. Those guys have no chance in stopping Pascal Siakam. None. So you got to give him a lot of credit for adjusting his game from the start of the season where he's very reliant on shooting threes and shooting a lot of threes, as I said on this pod, just because he could. And now what you're starting to see, it's a great sign because my guy is taking it into the paint. Everything is at the paint. Everything is, you know, he's trying to finish through contact and trying to score when he drives. And then afterwards, once they're sagged off you because they're afraid of you blowing past them, sure, shoot up a three every once in a while. And I mean, once you come down and you hit two in a row, of course the third one's going up. And once you hit three in a row, the fourth one's also going up, even though you miss it, and it's fine. Who's going to be mad at a heat check? I know it's not me. I'm not going to be mad at a heat check. Shoot your shot, Pascal. And when you have a night like that, you go five of eight, I'm all right with that. Now, normally, like if you're shooting eight threes in a game, I'm hoping that you were hot. <laughs> and there were a few games early on where he would be up at, you know, six or seven attempts. And then all of a sudden, you would then see my guy still shooting threes. And you would see him, you know, go one for six or something like that. Those are the things he needs to, you know, stay away from. But I still think at this point, what we're seeing are great positive signs from Pascal Siakam. As he mentioned, I think after one of the most recent games, he talked a lot about how his body is just feeling a lot better in terms of being able to recover from, you know, the rigors of what the schedule is. You're playing basically every other night. There's a lot more back-to-backs, and you're traveling added into that. So there's a lot going on, a lot for him to get used to, but we're seeing positive signs. And I talked about this from the start of the season. I talked about this from last year when he signed the max deal. It was just because he got the max contract. To me, that means that we as fans, you need to adjust your expectations. If you're expecting him to be the max contract guy that's like LeBron or Giannis, or one of those dudes, that's not really it. Pascal is great because he's he's like a Swiss Army knife. He's able to do a little bit of everything on the court. You need defense, he can do that. You need rebounding, he can do that. You need hustle, running the floor, he can do that. You need him to step outside and take the odd three, well, he could do that too. That was the strength of Pascal's game. Being like hustling down the floor, getting easy buckets in transition, playing hard defense, being a stopper on the defensive end, that is what got Pascal Siakam. That's what got the Raptors a championship, right? That's how he contributed there. Now, because a bunch of guys leave and there's more expectations for him to score, I get that, but that's still not what you want from the Raptors. You still want him, you'd rather him score four less points per game, but still be able to give you all that defense on the other end and still give you all that hustle, those hustle plays and running the floor and all that because that also helps the other guys on the team. More comments though, as we're we're filling up here with some comments on the, the YouTube here. Uh, let's see here. Oh, we're talking about the Lowry trade rumors and I don't even know if it's fair to call it Lowry trade rumors. It's just... You know, we're getting closer and closer to the deadline. And with that said, people are going to look at the Raptors. They're going to look at the the record, where they are in the standings, and the fact that Kyle Lowry's a free agent at the end of the year. So it makes a lot of sense that there's a lot of teams that would be poking around for Kyle Lowry. And maybe you're just trying to cause some drama. And so you leak to one of your, your you know, 
media people that you have within your city and you just float that rumor. Those things happen in the NBA all the time. And as Doug Smith, the OG of the Toronto Raptors uh, media, from a media standpoint, he pointed out earlier on today, the Raptors don't really leak things, right? When things are about to go down for the Raptors, you don't really hear the leaks coming from their side. And all you have to do to figure that out is just watch an NBA draft and notice that every single notice that every single thing that involves um every single thing that involves Pascal, every single thing that involves, you know, whether it was a trade, whether it was a signings, whether it was, you know, whatever the Raptors were focused on come, you know, would there be leaks or not? You never see leaks. You just don't. And draft night, you see everyone else's picks being leaked before it happens on TV, except for the Raptors. Sorry, I got distracted by a text message that popped up right when I was in the middle of that. And it totally threw me off in the middle of that. If you notice when I paused there. <laughs> uh, shouts to uh, Nate Shepard here who says uh, they would never trade Lowry to the Cavs. Everyone's talking about where's Kyle Lowry going to go. And the, the trade talks, I mean... They're just going to heat up. So if you think this is bad now, it's going to just keep going. Um, more comments, though. Pascal is Nate Shepard also says Pascal is our version of Pippen. That's interesting. That's interesting. I mean, Pippen, it, it's tough, right? Like Pippen's perimeter game was really good. Pippen was also like a lockdown, lockdown, lockdown defender. Right, like Pippen was out here guarding Magic in the finals. You know what I mean? And still getting busy and putting up buckets. I don't know if we've seen that level of defense and offense from Pascal yet, but he's still super young. He's still super young, and I think he's still figuring out his game. So we got to give him time for that as well. Uh, let me get some other comments. KL says, other teams are desperately uh, look to add a Lowry-type player to run for a run to the playoffs, uh, we need to get some value become before he becomes a free agent. That's the balancing act that Raptors fans and you know the Raptors organization are going to have to to you know weigh. Do you trade Kyle Lowry, or do you let him possibly walk in free agency? I guess it depends on. To me, honestly, I think because he is your franchise guy now, and he will be you know the most beloved Raptor to date, for sure. I think you ask him what he wants to do. That's how I would play it, right? If he wants to go and chase another ring somewhere, you help facilitate that. If he wants to chill and, and you know, he talked about it a couple games ago. He enjoys watching the continued growth of the Young Bucks, of Pascal, of Freddie, of OG. He was so happy to see them all get paid. He enjoyed all that. So maybe he enjoys, he wants that way to, you know, end his career, have his career wind down. Who's to say? I don't know. But I think if you're Masai, you ask him what he wants to do. Because the other part of it is, I don't know what the haul would be for Kyle Lowry at the trade deadline, but I really don't think we're talking about getting anything too impressive. Right? Like, I don't think you're getting anything that's really, really, really that great. And hey, if you are, then we're having a different conversation. But at this point, I don't really think that's the case. But there's enough time to talk about Kyle Lowry trades 
right? Because there's going to be so much going on come trade deadline time and rumors circulating. And hey, at this point, if the Raptors keep playing how they're playing, maybe we won't be hearing Kyle Lowry rumors because maybe the Raptors organization and the Raptors fan base will be talking themselves into the Raptors making a run to the playoffs and maybe even making a deep run in the playoffs. Who knows? So right now, you got to remember, the Raptors are inching closer and closer to being at that 500 mark. And that's what we've talked about since they got off to that terrible start because the 500 mark is your first step. Because once you get around that 500 mark, you really can start looking at the playoff picture. And right now, the Raptors sit in eighth place, right? But really, if you look at it, you're a game and a half out of fifth. So everything is really bunched up. You're two and a half games out of fourth. So this is the thing. Just get to 500 and then see where things are at. And then that will change a lot of the narrative. So if they keep getting wins like they did tonight, who knows? But again, Raptors win 128 to 113. 128 to 113 over the Memphis Grizzlies. Jonas Valanciunas balling for the Memphis Grizzlies, but it just wasn't enough. Raptors fans, I know some Raptors fans are super happy to see that stat line of 27 and 20 from Jonas Valanciunas. A big boy night for JV, but it wasn't enough against his former squad. As you had Fred Van Fleet leading the way with 32 points, 9 assists. But the big key here, he hit four threes. Norm hit six threes. Pascal hit five threes. That is work. You're getting 32 from Pascal and Fred and then 29 from Norm. That's a massive, massive night. Raptors close this out. They end that run where they were 0-11 after trailing by after trailing after three quarters. The Raptors ended that run. Finally get a win. But the key here. 43 and 19 run that's what they went on to close the game after nick nurse got ejected i didn't see nick nurse's post game but i'm sure he probably had some funny comments about that at the end great performance by the raptors a gut check type of win which is going to be key because i know boston's lurking i know the bucks are lurking at the end of this week and of course you hope to get that next win wednesday night in washington i'll be back right here I guarantee you we'll be on YouTube for sure. Whatever other streaming platform we'll be on, just tune in. Stay tuned to my Twitter feeds. I'll let you know on Twitter at Shell Alexander or on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. And we will be streaming this live where the podcast will still be live in one of these places. For sure, I'm pointing at YouTube and saying we'll be on YouTube live after that game for sure. Taking your comments and questions on this so Wrap It Up podcast, your only live and interactive Toronto Raptors post-game show. Apologies for the technical difficulties, but hey, sometimes computers just don't want to compute. I don't know what was going on, but hey, we figured it out and we still brought you the goodness because the Raptors win, Raptors win, Raptors win. And of course, if you ever miss a podcast, like and subscribe to the feed, the On Blast Podcast Network feed. Remember, Wrap It Up is just one of the shows on the On Blast Podcast Network. But if you like and subscribe, you'll never miss an episode of Wrap It Up. I'm sure a lot of people will be searching for it in the morning. You can get that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, and on YouTube. Like and subscribe and tell your friends. Why? Because as I always say, I used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. 
This is the Wrap It Up on Blast Raps post-game show. As always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya. Boom, blast.